When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Joel Skett and I'm joined by Robert Borthwick. Hello Joel, thank you for having me on. No problem, I think most people seeing our names on the on the show will realise we're going to be spending a lot of time speaking about hearts. Uh, so yep, Hibs fans and many others are already switching off. What could we possibly be here to discuss? That's yes. it. I was going to say switching off. They probably just looked at the show and like, I'm not downloading that. Absolutely not. <laughs> They've just gone back to listening to, to views from the lockdown again. That's <laughs> uh, I, we will, I think we will get into touch about, uh, talk about Hibs later on. Hibs fans will love that one. Hibs fans will love us. Hearts fans talking about Hibs. Exactly. Um, I know we, we, we want to incorporate everyone and slag off everyone equally. But of course, we'll start with Hearts and the appointment of Robbie Nielsen. What were your what were your thoughts yesterday when it transpired that he was coming back to Hearts? I think honestly, it all happened so quickly. Um, I think I, I wasn't able to properly digest it because I, I, as I do uh, on Sundays, uh, usually hungover, usually just sit on Twitter, refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. I think I saw like Daily Record tweeted saying like Hearts are going to try and bring back Robbie Nielsen possibly, and then two hours later he was appointed. Um, it was mental how quickly it happened, but I think you always know, you always get an idea from these things when more than one publication talked about it. <laughs> so the, yeah. um, Stephen McGowan at the Mail um, sort of said, right, yeah, Hearts were talking to Robbie Nielsen. And then from there, it was, as I say, I was more caught up in the drama of it than actually thinking about the appointment itself, um, which means that sort of last night and today, I've sort of had a bit of time to properly digest it and, and sort of think about, what this means for Hearts. And I think it's still kind of hard to know 
what's going to happen because we don't properly know what league we're going to be in. Um, one thing I would say is that he proved himself in both the Premiership and the Championship perhaps last time. Um, so on the face of it from that, also the fact that he's very friendly with Budge, um, it is a, a decent appointment. I don't think it's one that's going to make Hearts fans absolutely lose their mind with happiness. And it's the same in the other direction, but it's a decent appointment. And I think, you know, a lot of people have criticised Hearts, um, not me personally, but a lot of people did criticise Hearts with the Stendhal appointment, um, saying that the timing was wrong to get a, a sort of manager that has such a strong uh, sort of passion towards a, a certain style of play, uh, which is very in your face, very attacking. And this this seems like more of a safe pair of hands, um, which given everything that's going on just now is maybe not the best, maybe not the worst idea. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, reading Barry Anderson, his take on it today, and he said that it was, was Nielsen's probably the appointment that Hearts needed just to put them on a more solid foundation. And like you said, has that experience of in the championship and premiership because you alluded to earlier on that we're still not 100% sure which division we're going to be in next season. Obviously, it's looking more like the championship than the, the, the premiership. But either way, they've got a manager in uh, in position to to do that. Before we go on to talk to you, you mentioned the drama. What would uh, that? That's what kind of caught my caught my eye because like oh, Saturday and Sundays, I quite like staying away from uh, Twitter and just kind of relaxing because I know I'm going to be on it for the rest of the week for work. But then just going on and like you, when I first seen it, it was only until Stephen McGowan and then you and Murray both mentioned it was happening. I was like, okay, this is happening. And then Mark Donaldson tweeted, I know he's friendly with Robbie Nielsen, basically said it's happening very, very soon. Uh, just the, the swiftness of it, you just don't, you, you don't, um, when you compare it to when Stendhal was appointed, that you had so much so much time to like have different managers linked, analyze all the, the potential ins and, out, in and outs and advantages and disadvantages. It, it just happened, which is so swift, that it was very, very unlike Hearts and it caught everyone by surprise. Dundee United fans, I'm not sure they knew what to think because I think they were like, okay, uh, they never really bought into Nielsen, but I think it was the fact that Nielsen went back to Hearts with all that's going on between Hearts and Dundee United really miffed them. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of it. Like, it seems to be um, the opinion, I, I don't know if this is um, sort of wound-licking or uh, genuine genuine thoughts from Dundee United fans, but they don't seem that arsed by the fact that he's gone. I I think you're right, the issue is with where he's gone to. Mm -hmm. Um, And the timing of that, obviously, (laughs) um, like three days after uh, the the joint statement from United, Cove Rangers and uh, and Wraith. Um, So obviously the the timing of it is, I mean, for Scottish football patter, it's absolutely perfect. But for Dundee United, it's uh, it's quite the opposite. So yeah, I, I think that, I am reading between the lines quite a lot with the Dundee United fans. They were clearly very happy that he got them up because obviously managers before him had failed. Um, but also the, they had reservations about his style of play. Um, I think Hearts fans did towards the end of his mm-hmm. tenure last time as well. Um, but that, that's when, you know, uh, people pick and choose these sayings um, to whatever will suit their narrative at the time. Is it a results-based business or is it, you know, a, a business of watching good football? Because everyone will say, oh, Daniel Stendhal, you know, played some exciting football, but he, he didn't get the results. And it's like, well, we've got the opposite now. And people will just 
say whatever it is to suit their narrative. I think Dundee United got the results last season. It was uninspiring. I think a lot of um, sort of issues with the squad were covered up by Lauren Shankland, uh, obviously once again having a magnificent season. Um, so yeah, I, I think that taking it from seeing what Dundee United fans have been saying, it seems that he's still a conservative manager um, a wee bit. You know, he, he does sort of focus on defending and, and getting the one nil wins rather than pushing for the ten nils that he had uh, when he was in charge of Hatch the first thing round. Yeah, so going back three and a half years to when I think it was three and a half years to when he did leave for. MK Dons, what were your thoughts back then on him leaving? Did you think it was the right time or did you think that he was jumping as he was being pushed by a growing number amongst the Hearts fans who were against him? I was uh, I was pretty gutted when he left, first time round, to be honest. Um, I... Some of the football was turgid and he had some really standout bad results mm-hmm. um, as Hearts manager. And I, I think that that's completely fair enough and I can see where anger and frustration came from, um, from a lot of Hearts fans from that as well. But you just need to look at what he was doing in the league and how stable Hearts were at that time. So his first season in the top flight finished third. Second season he left after a great 2-0 win over Rangers that uh, put Hearts in second place as well. And it's like, you know, that's... You look at what Hearts have done since. I know that that's using hindsight, but at the time, at the time when he left, I was upset. I liked him as a manager. I think that, um, as I say, he there were some dodgy signings. If you want to put that down to him or Levine or whatever, there was definitely issues there. Um, but I didn't think it was the right time for him to leave. And I felt that MK Dons was a, a weird one to, for him to leave for. Um, as I say, the, the timing of it, um, you can look at the, the minority of fans that were maybe... Um, very unhappy um, at how he was doing but I don't know if that was completely the reason why he left the first time around it was quite interesting listening to Craig Levine on the Sports Sound podcast um, earlier on he was saying that that at that time Robbie was kind of riding the crest of a wave a wee bit he was very Mm -hmm. very confident and and self-assured in what he was doing and he felt that he could go anywhere and make a success of it Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of things came into his thinking at that time. I think, as I say, the, the fan unhappiness is maybe a small part of it. Um, but I think there was more to it than that. But as I say, at the time, I was upset that he left when he did um, because the results in the league so far uh, in that season were really good. Hearts were only seven points off Celtic at the top. You know, it, it was it was going all right. Um, and he did have the opportunity that season to try and right some wrongs, you know, to try and get a good cup run going and all that kind of stuff, but we weren't fortunate enough to, to sort of see that come to fruition. I I was more, I think I was more uh, gutted about him leaving with perhaps without the respect that he deserved. That mm. I wasn't really, I wasn't, wasn't surprised he left and I wasn't overly, I was, I, I was I guess I, I wanted him just, I wanted Nielsen to be, see I'm a big uh, Nielsen fan, so I wanted him to be uh, an all-out success, but the, uh, speaking to the guys I got the game, my mates I got the game with, a lot of them were turning against Nielsen, you look back to obviously there's the, the whole plane incident, which a lot of people have been mentioning, opposition fans especially been mentioning or putting pictures up on, on Twitter of this of that incident against Partick Thistle when it was one one nil. But again that was that was at a time when no one 
like a very, 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 very small minority or small element wanted uh, Nielsen out. At that time, I think it got shot down, uh, not literally. They got... Um, but I think either I wasn't at the game, but Nielsen was it was either booed or Nielsen had his name chanted or was like applause for uh, applause for Nielsen. So at that time, it wasn't actually a lot of uh, a lot of annoyance. The only annoyance with Nielsen was losing to Hibs in that derby, and I think he struggled to win back a certain element. And it, it kind of just that kind of just started it. But I, I noticed it when. We went to Malta. We went to play Berkakara. Uh, those two games, there was a there was a change in the atmosphere. There was a real anger from fans towards Nielsen and the team for getting knocked out. And then later on that season, I think it was end October. I remember being up at Inverness and the ball came into the technical or near the technical area. And Nielsen went for. It. I was like, "Don't go for that. Don't go for it." Because I think we were two 0 down at the time, and there was a lot of animosity towards him in the uh, away end that day. And then as soon as he touched it, there was people booing in the uh, the away away stand. Came back to draw three three, but it was it was that. It kind of just it kind of just snowballed. And similar to what new um, what happened with Levine this season is that more and more people were finding it hard to support uh, support Nielsen. And when it gets like that, you just think, is there is there a way back? Especially with, again, going back to that 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 Derby, Derby loss. I think the only way Nielsen was going to recover was playing Hibs again in the Cup, which actually happened that uh, that season when then, then Cathro made, <laughs> made an arse of it as well. So I, I found, I, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised he left and I thought maybe it was the right time for him to leave with his, for, for him personally, with his stock so high uh, for Hearts because it allows someone else to come in with fans starting to, to turn against them. With that in mind, have you got any concerns for Nielsen coming in uh, as manager? Um, not really. As I say, like I don't think... There will be some fans uh, that, that remember um, and, and they're going to stay angry at him. Um, but with all that in mind, I, I don't really have any big concerns um, about Nielsen coming back. I think that he will come back uh, a more rounded manager. Um, but also, he's now got a, a, a sort of an actual point of um, difference and a, a point that he can work on. So, mistakes that he made at the past at heart, he can now try and rectify going forward. And he, he comes with a lot more knowledge. Um, and as I say, a lot more experience in the game as well. So I'm not hugely concerned. Um, quite the opposite. I mean, Hearts in the Championship was one of the most fun seasons of my life. So I was like, I absolutely loved it. So if we get that again, then uh, I'm I'm all for it. You know, a, a wee uh, a wee uh, journey through the seaside. But um, yeah, I, I think that he'll come back and he will be the same. Similar Robin Nielsen to what we saw before, he's very, um, he's straight down the line. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to give you explosive press conferences or uh, anything like that, but he'll, he'll do a good job. He'll keep the team well drilled, uh, which is something he was able to do uh, the first time around. And if it is the championship with him in charge, I'm extremely confident the heart's going straight back up. If it's the premiership, then I've got a good feeling about that as well. You know, to be honest, because he did a, a good job the last time as well, um, and he's earned another crack at the top flight. Whether that's now or in a year's time, yeah, uh, him coming in is a weird one because it's it's it kind of straight down the middle. He's not a Cathro or Stendhal appointment where there's this kind of unknown 
which breeds excitement because you don't know, you think uh, so something special could happen. Just So the, there's not that kind of excitement of going into the known with, uh, with those type of managers. But also there's not the kind of sigh or underwhelming aspect of like Levine taking over or, um, or Gary Locke coming back, for example. Because Robbie Nielsen, he... He probably sits in the middle where he's been there and done it. So you you, you know there's there's not a, there's not a bit of me that's um, thinking oh this is going to be a disaster. I just think or it's it's not going to be uh, or I'm not getting over the moon about it. It's just I think he's just going to come in and and, and do a really good job. A safe pair of hands kind of safety first approach, and you, you know it's going to be uh, you know hearts are going to be back to being reliable. Yeah. And you could probably uh, trust in them. I do have concerns because, again, this is you. You mentioned it well. Who's how much control with recruitment and stuff? But this is a manager who signed Connor Salmon and played Connor Salmon out wide. So there, there's aspects of that which concern me. Then you talk about Dundee United and the fact that even in the champion, because Hearts in the championship. That was probably some of the best football I've seen from Hartside. Albeit, again, they were in the second tier. They were really exciting. They were really kind of it was high tempo vibrancy because a lot of young players. There was it was just exciting to go and watch. They were really forthrighting what they did. And then even when we came up to the Premiership, he signed pretty well with like the likes of Rossi and Wamba and Jum. There was still that excitement, but you can tell the the looked at a certain type of player who could deal with the physical aspect of Scottish football. And there was, you could tell that it was being a bit more, again, a bit more safety first. And then the, the transfer window this, the season after was, was, was pretty disastrous. And it seemed like he was going down the route of Levine or McInnes, who knew how to get results, but it was never going to be, you were never going to be enthralled by the team Especially, you weren't going to go there week in, week out, thinking, "Yes, we're uh, going to be, we're going to be treated to exhilarating football." So uh, again, that that kind of that kind of weighs me because I, I I do when I want to, uh, when I go to Hearts games, I do want to be excited, and we need excitement because we've not had it in a long <laughs> a long time. It's been pretty pretty dreary. So that that's a concern that the fact that the United fans have said. The, the football has been pretty hard to watch over the last two seasons, and that's in the championship. So we've talked about kind of Nielsen concerns. What do you think Nielsen needs to succeed at Hearts? And talking about in terms of recruitment, the structure of Hearts, and the what he has to just do as as a manager. See, to be honest, I don't think that. You know, even even if it is the championship, I don't think he needs to have a huge window. Um, I don't think he needs to have a, a huge recruitment window. I think that the players in the heart squad that are there just now are more than capable of winning the championship. More than capable of winning the championship. I think that you know, even guys like Loic Demur, he's <laughs> you know he he will probably still be here because absolutely no one's going to buy him. So I, I think that in terms of recruitment he should be able to mould a good team out of what he's already got there. I think he could maybe do with a winger or two um, and probably a right-back. But that, that's about it. Um, but then, uh, what does he need to succeed? I, I think he's ever, like most things are in place. Mm. 
that's that's what I mean. Most things were in place for Stendhal, which is why it's a, a wee bit upsetting that it never sort of worked out for him, because a lot of things were right. I think that um, you know, Nielsen spoke before about um, not working with a director of football at um, at MK Dons, and, and he he wanted to work under a director of football. That never really happened. So I think the recruitment of a director of football, hopefully this week, um, a lot of chat about David Weir and, and all these kind of guys. I think that'll be quite big for for sort of helping him on his way as well. Other than that, as I say, I, I think he needs the players to buy into him. Um, there was obviously always suggestions that the, the players maybe didn't fully buy into Stendhal um, from day one, which which didn't help him at all. Um, so I think getting the players to buy in um, is kind of crucial because I don't see Hearts having a huge amount of money to spend uh, to try and get new players in. So, yeah. I think he, he needs to get the dressing room on side, but I don't see that being a particularly big issue. I can see him and Naismith being quite compatible in the way that they work. I think they're both quite similar in the way that they speak about football. Uh, and obviously Naismith's such a huge part of that dressing room as well. Um, you're looking for other voices, Craig Halkett, John Souter, um, guys like this to, to buy into it. And I think that Nielsen, on the face of it, is the sort of character that should get those guys playing. Um, so it's just kind of a matter of time and, and waiting to see as I say, where he's going to begin from um, and who he's going to be able to keep, first and foremost. Yeah, I, I tend to agree regards to the, the playing staff. I think if he signs Craig Gordon, that is absolutely massive for having another leader in the team. For someone who just comes in and then instantly makes the team immensely, immensely better because there's a goalkeeper that's between the six you can trust is reliable and can actually save shots on a consistent basis. That, that that's huge but also off the field this is a guy who has worked with or sorry played with Nielsen has a really close relationship that he can act as a conduit between the the, the, the team and the, the playing squad and him Mao's concern is that Naismith has too much could uh, go down the line of having too much power because mm-hmm. again he's a very vocal he's not maybe not his fault it's just he's that type of character he's a, he's, he's a leader whereas Gordon is is someone who would stop it from would stop Naismith from becoming uh, kind of just this um, over commanding presence in, in in the dressing room because I'm guessing there's there's going to be players in there. I know I, I know for sure one who is not a fan of Naismith's constant talking or like advice uh, advice to him, which uh, which I can kind of understand, but. If he can get buy-in from Naismith, if there is, if Gordon comes in, that's absolutely huge. Like I said, the, the, the squad, this squad is more than good enough to win the championship. They've got Boyce, uh, Boyce and Naismith in attack. That's that's good for umpteen goals uh, in there. You've got uh, defence that fully fit and everyone available is is one of the, one of the better ones in in, in Scotland. Um, just like full stop so you've got that and then you've got these young players who I think which is a big thing for Nielsen is you've seen it in the first season of the championship and then the premiership Walker, Nicholson, Patterson to name three all certainly came on and then you've got okay so Moore, Henderson, Brandon have signed new deals but I'm more looking to Irving, McDonald, Cochrane, Connor Smith, Chris Hamilton players like that who are I think are probably more talented than the three that have recently signed new deals so I think there's plenty to work with. There's a, a playing squad structure-wise. Again, this is I found this strange, and 
Budge mentioned in her statement today, but didn't really go uh, go too in depth on it, is the fact that she talked about appointing a sporting director before bringing in a manager. And then within days, just out of nowhere, brought in a manager. I found that strange. Well, she, keep, she keeps reminding people of uh, mistakes that she's made. It's wild. Like, it's, it's, the, it's the weirdest PR I've ever seen. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one thing you can always say about Anne Budges, she's completely transparent. And I, yeah. I think that maybe uh, getting in ahead of the people that were going to say, oh, wait, you said you were going to hire a sporting director slash director of football um, before you hire a manager. But once again, you've, you've done the opposite. Um, but yeah, it's... One thing, sorry, one, one thing I would say with that is at least they've hired a head coach in Nielsen who has spoken before about wanting to work with sport directors. He mentioned that when he went down from Hearts to MK Dons. I think that was a big eye-opener for him, was that he didn't have a sport director at MK Dons, so he was having to take on a lot of tasks that he hadn't been used to when he was a Hearts manager. So, and then he's went and worked with, uh, I think it's Tony Askar at uh, Dun United. So he's, he's, he wants to and has had experience of working with a sporting director. So when it comes to appointing a sporting director after him, I don't think it's as big a deal as it would be with certain other managers. No, 100%. And I think that, you know, if we're talking about assurances that maybe had to be given to Nielsen um, before he took the job and all that kind of stuff, I reckon he's going to have a, a fairly big say at who comes in as the sporting director as well. Mm. Um, I, I think that if it was done the in any other way, then it would be a bit weird, you know, if Nielsen wasn't able to not be part of the recruitment process as such, but certainly uh, give his rubber stamp to whoever's coming in. Um, you know, if that is David Weir or, or whoever else, uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll find out very soon. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, as I say, everything off the field um, is in line for Nielsen as it is. His relationship with Budge is tremendous. She absolutely adores him, really trusts him, and I think that's a two-way street as well. Um, so everything off the pitch is is in line for him to, to bring some semblance of success to Hearts, whether that success is, you know, eventually reaching European football or, or challenging for a trophy or whatever. Um, you know, the, the building blocks are there. It's just... It's, it's waiting to see. I, I can't... I cannot trust Hart anymore. Um, won't make a good job of any, especially three-year contract. So I, I, you know, I'm very much reserving judgment. Even though I, you know, I, I believe that Nielsen is the right guy um, for the job, and, and I'm happy that he's back. Um, Hart's they they always find a way. They always find a way to to fuck that up in some way. And whether that's from the fans or from the football side or from ordering seats or whatever it is, they they've they've been incredible at finding ways to mess that up. So yeah, it will be very interesting to say the least to see what comes of this. Um and I'm now at a stage whereby, you know, there, there's no uh there's no ambiguity. You know, we know it's not Stendhal, we know it is Nielsen, that is absolutely set in stone now. So I'm kind of just waiting for football to come back now, to be honest, because I'm so bored of the rest of this shit. I just, I just want Hearts to be back. I want to get a boring one 0 win away, Aloha. Um That's all I want. That's all I want. So yeah, I'm not sure that'll do. That'll be enough to appease fans over uh, Nielsen's. Uh, I think we want a four 0 at least. But no, it's. I, I, the win, though. I the win. <laughs> I I think, I think Nielsen brings stability. I think Nielsen is someone who brings a bit more of a trust factor to Hearts, you're bang on. There's, there'll be, there's a jobby in the water somewhere when it comes to Hearts. It's just, it's just floating there. You're, you're, in, you're, in, you're in the pool 
and you're having you're, you're doing some great limbs, and then bang, it smacks you <laughs> right in the pus. Uh, so yeah, it is around this. It's, it's it's always around the corner. Just have to try and avoid it. And I think the biggest one is Fowler talked about it. I see him tweet about it before we started recording. The semi-final against Hibs is if it gets played, the Scottish Cup semi-final, which I think the SFA yeah. wants it to be played in the next uh, before 2021. That is that is one way to lay down a marker for Nielsen. So obviously there's going to be less games, fewer games in the championship. Winning that semi-final is would just get a huge monkey off his back in terms of kind of showing Hearts fans that yes, I can beat Hibs, I can turn up in big games. Yeah, a hundred percent, and it's it is a sad fact um, that Hearts fans judge managers off Edinburgh derbies, um, and, and we've kind of known that for quite a long time now. Um, so yeah, that that is that's a huge one, and as I say, we've seen everything that's going on at Hibs just now. Obviously, there's a lot more to come from Hearts just now. Um, it's so weird that it's just two completely different setups that will be playing each other uh, when it comes to it. You know, mm-hmm. the, the clubs, maybe not the first teams themselves, but the clubs will have changed uh, immeasurably when it when it actually comes to that game being played. So uh, I'm more confident now than I was. I was more. I'm more confident today than I was ye- uh, yesterday morning. Really? Yeah. I, I, I reckon. I reckon Stendhal at Hamden would have been fucking prime time. Like just you and Henderson running all over the place uh, would have been mental. But no. name just mainly for if Craig Gordon comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I'm 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 very very hopeful that that Craig Gordon comes back. I, I didn't really talk about that previously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I take it right. So I take it the rules will be bent slightly, so that if Hearts or Hibs or um, or the other semi final of two teams, if they sign anybody, they won't be cup tied. I'm guessing, so I'm guessing that... I'm, I mean, surely not. Like, I, I don't know. I, I probably should have looked at these rules, but I'm, I'm guessing because there's been such a break... Because these games are meant to be played in March, I think it was, and they're going to be yeah. played in, what, October, uh, potentially, November, that, like, six months. They're surely yeah. going to just have to go, right... Unless it's just teams could be playing youth, uh, uh, youth teams. I reckon it's... <laughs> It's, it's, a, it's a rule that won't be written yet, but uh, if the SFA are listening, just yeah, just think about the cup tie thing because um, we could really do with Craig Gordon. So yeah, I, I think that will be a, a hugely important game, um, and it looks like it will be if it is the championship, roughly the the start of the season time for them as well. So everything will, will sort of come back with a bang. You know, we've got to bear in mind that possibility is Hibs will have been playing for two extra months um, mm. by that time as well, so they'll be completely matched. Um, so there, there's a lot to, a lot to consider with that and, and I think the you know whether it's mitigating circumstances or, or whatever you know all we know is Robin Nielsen can't call this one a money spinner uh, which was a huge issue the last time so um, we'll, we'll wait and see with that but it's I'm hoping you know if and when it comes to if and when it comes to it Hearts won't be the favourites and I, I think that Hearts fans have a tough time in realising that uh, sometimes they're not the favourites against Hibs um, and sometimes that's for a, a very good reason. So, yeah, um, going from having been nervous about that game in March to just like completely putting it out of my mind until now, um, it should be uh, it should be good fun. Yeah, if if any of us any of us can actually go, <laughs> the before we move on from Hearts, just a word on Daniel Stendel. Do you feel sorry? Do you feel sorry for him? 
I do feel sorry for him. I, I think that um, you know, it's the it's the in phrase just now that he's right man wrong time. Um, I think there's something in that. I think there is something in that certainly. I, I think that the fact that it took six weeks to get over the line uh, didn't help at all. The fact that Barnsley were uh, threatening legal action never helped at all. The fact he wasn't able to get in his own coaches um, until the January at the, the very earliest uh, went against him. Um, and I think the fact he didn't have a pre-season with the players went against him. I think that there was um, there was wee, wee bits, wee glimmers um, of what he was capable of um, as a coach and what the players were capable of under him, um, which was key as well. You know, you saw guys like Sean Clare um, improving a, a huge amount during that time. So I, I do feel sorry for him, and I reckon that you know if if the season had been played to completion, I reckon he probably would have kept us up. I reckon it would have been only just. Um, but I, I did have confidence that he was going to be able to turn it around. Um, and in terms of the way that this has all ended, um, I, yeah, I do feel sorry for him a wee bit. Um, I think that you know it has to be recognised that he went for like three months without any pay voluntarily uh, because he knew it would help the club. Um, I think that despite what some people are are saying the last few days, I think him and Budge did have a, a fairly decent relationship. Um, but I think that with the complete uncertainty of what's going on just now, um, making this appointment and getting rid of him uh, whilst that sort of get-out clause was there isn't necessarily the worst decision on earth. I, I think that it's it was fairly clear that um, some of the players just didn't buy into him mm-hmm. and they, they, they didn't fancy him. A lot of players did. I know that, you know, Stephen Naismith absolutely loved the way that he worked. He liked um, he liked the style of play and he was he was kind of main reason why he was made captain ahead of the guys like Michael Smith and John Souter and um, and and all that as well. Um, I think because he was properly buying into what Stendhal was saying. So I think that there are, there were some players there who were keen on him, but probably enough that weren't um, that made Budge think right. Maybe now is the time to to sort of activate this clause and and try again with something new. <laughs> Something new, eh? Uh, <laughs> Nielsen, but try, try again with something that she knows uh, and certainly... Yeah, I think that, that was a big uh, thing. A little bit less rock and roll. Yeah, I think that big big thing for her was that she wanted... She would have probably wanted someone who she knew was... Well, basically she knew and who she knew could do a good job and I go back to what I said before, safe pair of hands. I... But I seen someone put up a poll yesterday. Would I rather have Stendhal or Nielsen? I voted Stendhal just because there's there's that part of me that just wants like wanted them to come good. I've got no reason behind that. It's glimmer, like you said, glimmers uh, against Hibs, Hibs away, the two Rangers games at Tynecastle. But then within that, there were some absolute sh- shocking performances. The Kilmarnock defeat uh, defensively was terrible. The draw with Hamilton it was one of the luckiest draws against 10 minutes against uh, Hamilton. And then that St. Minning game towards the end, well, right at the end, was one of the worst I've seen, or I can remember uh, from Hearts in the last few years. And there was probably more signs of concern than promise from, from what I've seen. But again, you go back to the right man a long time. I think he has... His idea on football is kind of up and at himself. I think that was perfect for Hearts and uh, perfect for Hearts fans because that's what that's what they want. They just uh, they want they want their teams to run fast, run hard, and and go forward with the ball, play it direct. And he brought that. It was just 
a nightmare scenario for him to walk walk into. You you, lock, you talked about the issues he had. Players obviously he couldn't do a lot in the January transfer window. The players he did bring in very very hit and miss. So it is probably best for all parties to depart. But yeah, tinge of sadness or regret or what could have been uh, will will remain. We'll move so, on. It, sorry, it's, it's interesting you said that you really wanted him to do well. Um, I really wanted him to do well as well. Sometimes you get that affinity with a manager where you're like, it's not clicking just now, but I would love it. I would love it yes. if, if this worked out. And I just got to thinking there, it was like, I thought that about Stendhal. I thought that about Levine. I thought that about Castro. I thought that about Nielsen. <laughs> I thought that about Jabba. Like, I'm just such this like, fucking optimist that I om- I'm always just sort of like, oh, I really like this guy. I hope he does well. And yeah, it's just it's the same for absolutely everybody that's ever managed hearts from you, I think. Um, but obviously, we're getting a second chance for Nielsen now, so that's that's good. Um, hopefully, he can, uh, he can keep his end up this time. Moving on from Nielsen there, Dun United, just, just to touch a name for a second. Who do you reckon they should go down? Uh, what route should they go down, do you reckon? Um, looking at some of the managers being quoted and some of the opinions of Dun United fans, that Tommy Wright's been mentioned and a few have been like, I'm not sure about him because of the style of play he plays. It's like, if Dun United managed to get in Tommy Wright for their return to the Premiership, they have improved in the management department, I reckon. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't disagree. And I think that um, it's actually a really interesting time for Dundee United just now because if Nielsen had stayed, if none of us had even ever come out, and I don't think any Dundee United fans would have been upset at the management situation uh, going into the, the Premiership season. Mm. However, they've, they've now actually got something that it's, it's quite a sort of exciting scenario now because they, yeah. they're in the top flight, but also... Um, with an ambitious director of football uh, and ambitions behind the scenes as well, they can maybe go a little bit left field um, with the next appointment. I think that's probably where the disappointment is coming from in, in chat of like Tommy Wright and Craig Levine uh, and all these guys because they are very much the old guard um, of Scottish football. They are guys who, whose faces have been plastered all over Scottish football for you know well over a decade now in, in Levine's terms, you know, thirty odd years. So I can see why they're wanting maybe a, a newer, uh, younger, different idea sort of coach. And, you know, Nielsen ticked a couple of those boxes. He was young. Um, but I think they want something a bit more exciting. And I, I don't blame them for wanting that at all. I think that you're right. You're right that Tommy Wright would be a, an improvement on, on Nielsen. All you need to do is look at the two CVs and, and smash them together. That's absolutely fair enough. But I think it's more about the type of manager that's going to be coming in. Not about the name and the, the capabilities. It's the type of manager and it is the style of play um, that they'll be wanting to get up. Because as I say, a lot of them were, as we were saying, a lot of them weren't massively enamoured with Nielsen's style of play. I think they liked the fact that he got results. Um, but having something that a bit more, something you can get your teeth into rather than just something you can hang your hat on. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just something a bit more exciting. So I'd be, I wouldn't be massively surprised to see them go a little bit, uh, a little bit further afield um, for the next managerial appointment. Having said this, they'll probably appoint Tommy Wright next week. I'll look like an arsehole. Um but I think that's what I'd want as well. You know, as a fan of Scottish football, I think I'd want something a bit different as well. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Is that that excitement factor? As a fan, we, we talked about uh, talked about it there with when Daniel Stendel came in. There's that unknown excitement of you're, you're stepping in. He's like you, you kind of let your mind wander. It's like this this could be really really exciting, but 
I don't mean this to come across disrespectful to Dundee United, but if it does, then fuck it, it does. But they've been in the championship for, what, three, four seasons? Camera off the top of my head. They need stability. They can't look down their nose at anyone. And if there's one manager that brings stability to them, Tommy Wright, I think there's a lot of Dundee United fans who look, oh, he's coming, uh, he's, he left St. Johnson, we're a bigger club than St. Johnson. Yep, Dundee United are a bigger club historically than St. Johnson, but St. Johnson have been pissing all over Dundee United for many years. You go back to the Scottish Cup, uh, that Scottish Cup final, they won, and then Tommy Wright had Dundee United, uh, Jackie McNamara's number for the, the, the whole season, except from the first game, uh, the, the first game of the campaign. This is a manager who would stabilise Dun United as a Premiership team again. He would build them a platform. He would work on a budget. He would make them hard to beat and a respectable team because, let's face it, Dun United, as like their neighbours, Dundee, the Chuckle Brothers for so long that they just they they just they, they have drama and and perfect. It's great for us to talk about. It's it's funny, but they they they're not in a position to go. Uh, let's let's go for uh, a wild factor. Let's write off Tommy Wright because he's a bit dull. Perhaps what Dunyan need next season is a bit of over the next couple of seasons is maybe not dull because I don't think Tommy Wright uh, St Johnson are a dull team, but someone who is pragmatic. And Tommy Wright would would bring that. I don't I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think that I'm I'm trying to play I'm trying to place myself in the the shoes of some Dundee United fans. I think. Oh yeah, and I'd I, be I'd be completely the, the same. But um, uh, this is me being um, sensible for once. No, it's not like you. And I, I, fr- frankly, I, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> no, I I think you know you, you won't find me disagreeing at all that, that Tommy Wright would be a very good appointment for for Dundee United. Um, and I think he would be a good appointment, but he he just wouldn't be exciting. Um, and as I say, I'm I'm fully on board uh, with the Dundee United fans crying for something that's just a bit batshit mental because that's what we all want to see. Sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't like, but sometimes it works. Um, you know, like Ian Castro. Ian Castro knows Dundee United well. Why not get him, get him on the phone? Uh, and Ian Castro, Craig Levine, double team. <laughs> yes, please. Sign me up. Right, moving on to the other side of Edinburgh, Ron Gordon spoke to Hibs TV today to give an update on where they stand. So a lot has been talked about Easter Road the last week or so with players asked to take wage cuts, the, the reports that the academy's been mothballed. Um, I think when you, when you read the headlines, like that, there's some serious issues there at Hibs, but I don't, think it's, I, it's, I don't think it's mega serious. And I think Ron Gordon, when he spoke today, allayed a lot of fears. I think he's just, Hibs have probably just realised that they've, not really realised, they've just kind of just looked at the the. the, the current climate and just had to reassess yeah I, I think that it's a it's a drastic reassessment if yeah. you look at what they're thinking of doing and you know that that maybe says a lot I know obviously um I don't know this for a fact but hearsay um Hibs had a, a decent sponsorship for the front of the kit agreed before lockdown then lockdown happened and obviously money came out of that so not having a sponsor doesn't help them at this time, mm-hmm. for example. Um, wage deferrals over wage cuts is is catching up with them now, and, and that doesn't help them at all as well. Um, I think that 
it's it's a really tough one for me because I think you can say that we don't have uh, sort of huge financial difficulty and huge financial problems and stuff like that, but then your actions are, are kind of saying the opposite. So it is it is a bit weird for me. Um, I would obviously, as always, as the case with these sorts of things. Uh, and I tend to uh, steer clear of the conspiracy and believe what the person in power is saying. So if Ron mm. Gordon's saying, um, you know, the, the, the financial situation isn't bad, but it will be bad, and that's why we're doing these preventative measures now, absolutely fair enough. Um, but it's such a shame, you know, looking at the, the mothball in the academy, for example, I think they only have three youth players under contract for next season. So, I mean, they, they don't need to have... The youth coaches, obviously, Colin Nish, Grant Murray um, and Lee Makel have all been let go already. I don't know what the chat is with uh, with sort of further job losses and stuff like that. But it's just, at the end of the day, the bottom line, it's just terribly sad that teams are having to, to resort to these measures. I, I think that Craig Anderson in the group chat, um, I think it was, made the point that the teams that are going to be affected the, high, the highest and hardest by this are Aberdeen, Hibs and Hearts because they've got the highest outgoings um, but they've also got a huge reliance on the, the income and the gate receipts and all this kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So obviously we saw um, the, the whole rigmarole of, of Hearts going through the cuts um, at the very, very start of uh, the football lockdown. Um, Aberdeen are talking about taking out all bonuses from all contracts. Uh, that's their, um, that's the way that they're looking at cuts and obviously Hibs are looking at a, a year-long, um, if reports are to be believed, um, wage cut system as well. And I think... Yeah, the the bottom line is like no one is happy to see this happening at, at any club. Um, but if Ron Gordon feels that this is what he has to do, Ron Gordon and Leon Dempster, if this is what they have to do to to keep Hibs as a, a going concern and then keep them competitive on the pitch, then then that's what they have to do. Um, I, I think it's just this is the the most drastic and biggest measures we've seen from any club is what Hibs are doing um, and whether. You know, we are looking from the maroon side of Edinburgh just now over at them and, and thinking, Christ, that's a bit much, isn't it? And they were thinking the same about Hearts when they uh, cut wages. You know, is it going to be in a month's time that Hearts are saying, right, okay, we need to mothball the academy, there's going to be redundancies and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't I think, think no one no one is in any position to, to throw stones right now because really everyone is second guessing a scenario that has never happened before. Yeah, that's a big thing for me. I don't think there's any any team or person in charge can of a club can really be criticised too much when it comes to the financial aspect. I know Am Budge got plenty of criticism for the wage cut stance. I thought that was a, a lot of it was uh, unjust and over the top. But then you look at what Hibs have done. I think we can all admit it was pretty admirable that they wanted to do wage deferrals and then what they did around NHS. And because of, I think they obviously had a template to follow that they've, fans might be back in stadiums sooner than, than expected. That you're, Because it's constantly changing, you're having to reassess. So from taking one stance to another, clubs shouldn't probably... They, they shouldn't be criticised because they're having to react to a situation. Like you said, they've, they've not experienced before. And I'm sure over the next week, a few weeks or months that more decisions, uh, more tougher decisions will have to be uh, have to be taken just to keep the clubs in a robust shape that they're able to bring these youth players back or bring coaches back to be in a position where they can actually afford to bring them back rather than struggling on for for years because let's face it Scottish Scottish football went through a very very tough time and a lot of clubs have managed to find a level footing but Scottish football 
is also still at a stage where money is so tight that even if you are in a good financial shape, it only takes two or three bad months. Like Aberdeen mentioned, uh, Dave Cormack said, we're fine for a couple of months, but if it goes on any longer, then we'll, we'll struggle. That's the that's the na- nature of Scottish football. So it is, it, it's a very tough one. And it's, it's one where I always feel a bit... Uh, a bit uneasy just seeing fans of other teams or like the one-upmanship or slagging off teams for making making certain decisions. So I will always, always do that in the group chat because I know that Tony and Duncan will just bite, bite, bite. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And that makes it incredibly fun for me. So I, I'll, I'll continue to do that um, if that's all right. But no, I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, we both know people that work at Hibs and, and we've we've both sort of worked with Hibs uh, in various capacities in the past as well, same as Aberdeen. And it's like, you, you don't, nobody in the right mind wants to see anything like this happen. Um, to the right of, I say nobody, there's definitely a lot of people um, that, that want to see this happen to their rivals. But I think that that's completely misjudged and uh, and a bit out of order as well. So I think that, as I say, um, Hibs, are, Hibs are taking the measures that they think are right just now, um, and like Hearts with the wage cuts, maybe this will end up being a trend, and, and we'll see this from a lot more teams. Um, it's interesting, you know, seeing the, the other side of it, like I was saying with the, the teams with a higher turnover, like Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts, on the flip side of that, Motherwell are making signings, and, and you yeah. know, there, there's, there's these teams that are coming out the other side of it, St. Johnston were back at uh, McDermott Park today, um, Callum Davidson is looking at, at making some signings as well, so it's like, there's there's the two sides of it where actually the, the sort of quote-unquote littler clubs um, are maybe going to come out of it in a better sort of footing because their outgoings are nowhere near as high and are not anywhere near as reliant on a, on gate receipts. So it'll be quite interesting to see like in August when the Premiership returns, like who's been able to sign who um, and, and what's going on with that. I know Ron Gordon was saying that he's still hopeful of Hibs making signings um, in the summer. And I, I don't doubt that they will make signings. Um, be interesting to see what happens with their outgoings. A lot of chat about Martin Boyle uh, being wanted by Stoke, uh, among other teams down south. Uh, Canberra, obviously. Um, so a question mark over him going back to Rangers as well. So I think, yeah, the the, the so-called or whatever is going to be transfer window, um, whenever that can or will happen, I think is going to be some fairly prime time uh, deals going on there as well. But it's yeah, it's just so interesting to see like Motherwell strengthening their squad uh, at the same time as Hibs are dissolving their academy for the year. Yeah, you know, it's, well it's, a, it's so, when you when you write it all down and read it, it's mental to see like what's what's kind of happening just now and like on the face of it, maybe maybe teams like Motherwell will prosper uh, coming out the other side of it. And St Mirren as well. St Mirren have uh, obviously signed Richard Tate, but they've certainly tried to pushed the boat for Craig Gordon. They've been linked to Alex Gogic as well, again, who has been strong linked with uh, Hibs. Motherwell also made some very interesting signings. And then you're right, they were strengthening and then they've signed Scott Fox. So I wouldn't put Scott Fox and strengthening in, in the in the same um, in the same sentence. But then again, they've got Trevor Carson. So sh- surely Scott Fox will be number two. Yeah, Fox, Fox in the box on the bench. Um, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, St Mirren today confirmed the signing of Jack Anik. Um, of course, their, so they did. As a new goalkeeper, obviously, with Hladke leaving and, and Gordon um, not wanting to commit quite yet. Um, seems to be taking his time on a lot of things just now. I think St Mirren wanted to get it done. Because uh, they are back as well, actually. They were back mm-hmm. today. Um, 
so yeah, aye, it's it, it's a mad old thing. Um, seeing what's happening with the, as I say, so-called smaller clubs. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't know about you, but I'm I'm very very much at the stage now where I just cannot be arsed with anything else other than just watching football now. I just want it to be back. Like uh, I've been watching the the Barclays, uh, and it's been absolute shite. I was watching German football before that, pish. Um, Italian football's been alright actually uh, the Italian games have actually been pretty entertaining so fair play to the Serie A uh, for, for serving up something that isn't just complete muck um, but what I'd give just now man to watch 90 minutes of Aki's versus St Mirren like honestly I just, totally totally. I need it, I need it back uh, as soon as possible because talking about finances and stuff like that isn't really my specialty so uh, yeah we'll see what happens yeah it's, it's been brilliant I've not watched any the only football I've watched is when we were on that Zoom call when German football started up again, I watched 20 minutes. I've not watched any any of the Barclays, any any other football. And the only, the only way I was going to get my football fix was cracking into some championship games from last season just to prepare myself for uh, Hearts' uh, descent into into the muck of uh, lower league football. But yeah, I just want to, I want to be able to write about how players are performing, why decisions on the field have been rubbish or really good rather than SFA, SPF, SPFL, legal court battles. It's just, it's, yeah. uh, it's just it warps your mind. It is completely mind-numbing. Hopefully the, the legalities will be sorted by Wednesday, I think was the chat before. Um, so, yeah, Christ. I just, I'm absolutely, absolutely gasping for it. And with that, Nielsen is back. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Joel. Thanks very much for listening. Keep checking the socials for everything that's uh, that's going up. We have a constant stream of content on patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. Those who subscribe, thanks very much. For those who don't, feel free to go and check out $2, $5, $7 a month and you'll get access to plenty and plenty of content. But that is us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.